With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good evening and welcome to Wrestling Rewind. I am your host, Angel Amoroso, and I am joined by my co-host. Iron Man Tommy Cairo. What's up, girl? What's going on? Nothing much. Just getting ready to uh, read a little something out of this is uh, all about the Canadians Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. And you would be surprised when you go through this. You may have never really necessarily connected that with uh, these some of these guys were Canada because they were big stars everywhere else in America as well. Um, but they were a lot of guys. You know, Canada was a huge territory as we just got done doing a reading uh, about uh, Stu Hart's promotion in Calgary. Canada, you know, it's a big area, and there were tons and tons of promotions back in the day. They called it it this particular area, the Canadian Maritimes. It's all around, you know, the water and the ports. So So these guys are very interesting. They are called the Love Brothers. At this time, it was Johnny Evans and Wes Hutchins. Now, I don't know if it stayed that way. Uh, Hold on. A little closer. There you uh, are. Close enough. Yeah. They're pretty cool-looking guys. Um, hippie gimmick, you know, they wear the peace sign. And uh, for the time, they were, they were, look, they were, they were cool. Um, the Love Brothers are proof that the right gimmick at the right time can transform two journeyman wrestlers into stars. Hamilton's Johnny Evans and a Newfoundland-born Hamilton raised Wes Hutchins, both three trained at Al Spittle's gym. They became friends and occasional tag team partners. In 1968, the Buffalo-based National Wrestling Federation promotion was looking to create a new tag team with a really out-there look. The promoter wanted a couple of men that didn't look like the humdrum wrestler, the big cauliflower ears and all that stuff, said Evans. The hippie movement was in full swing, and wrestling was introduced to Hartford Hutchings and Reginald Evans Love, the Love Brothers. Decked out in the style of the time, bandanas, long flowing hair, flowered pants, bell bottoms, and beads, the Love Brothers would preach peace but create war in the ring. How cool is that? Now you're doing exactly the opposite of what your gimmick. I love it. That's awesome. Not bad. Not bad. Jesus, the people hated us. You've either got to be well-liked in wrestling or well-hated, and we were well-hated. So we were making good money, said Hutchins. People wanted to come see us. These two love brothers that were causing all the trouble. Evans was a wizard on a microphone, and Hutchings could bump with the best of them in the ring. Besides the NWF, the love brothers were big in IWA and Toronto. and also worked Georgia, the Carolinas, and Florida. Oh. Al Costello and Bruce Swayze both served as managers for the team at different times. The Love Brothers were together for almost a decade. Evans had to give up wrestling when his back deteriorated badly. Since retiring, he has worked in various businesses around Hamilton and spends winters in Florida. Nice. Well, Canada, Florida. Makes sense. Yeah, cold, hot. 
You need a break from the cold. You need a break from the hot. It's a good transition. Exactly. It's awesome. Hutchins returned to Newfoundland in 1980 and owned a nightclub while continued to wrestle. He was working against adorable Adrian Adonis on Bearman McKigney's tour in 1988. Bearman McKigney, he had a bear, and he brought the bear around and wrestled the guys and had regular wrestling matches also. Yes, that's actually a part of our one of our title shows about animals in wrestling. It actually... Oh, through the history of uh, all the animals that have ever been involved in the history of professional wrestling. Wow. Stay tuned for that. It'll be on yes. a coming uh, titled episode on Wrestling Rewind. But that continue. sounds interesting. Yes, it is. Continue, Tommy, please. Okay. Uh, oh, so uh, Adonis McKinney and Pat Kelly were killed in a car accident. That was the last time he put on the tights. These days, Hutchings buys and sells furniture and runs a taxi service. So these are short, so we'll do we'll do a bunch of them. Um, I'm gonna find you somebody else that's uh, interesting. And a lot of the younger guys, uh, well, going back now a bunch of years, but um, still they're still pumping out, you know, uh, graduates and 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 you know uh, journeyman wrestlers out of that ter- those territories, um, like Christian and Edge. All those guys from, came from up there. Oh, and also Val Venus. There right? you go. That's where Val Venus came from. Exactly. Well, he just disappeared, right? Well, uh, disappeared. Well, I don't know. He, you know, he he's got his own business line. Some of, weed weed thing, of, right? Uh, weed products, hemp CBD, yeah. and and whatnot. And he's uh, since he's Canadian. He's, um, uh, you know, not uh, not agreeing with being a taxpayer. I believe he's uh, falls under that category of, you know what, uh, th- that's a story for him to tell. Yeah, uh, not me. So, hey, uh, moving on. Anybody that is trying to get a right way with paying taxes, God love them, because we are idiots if we keep paying into a corrupt system, knowing that they're robbing us and we're paying them, like. Yeah, we need to get into that another time. <laughs> yeah, it's insanity. Paul DeMarco, you remember him? He he was a, a real big name for a long time. Oh, I'm going to give you a guy you're going to love. See if you remember who this is. Do you remember Big Joe LaDuke? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Um, he used to use um. He was always hatchet. Always bleeding, right? Yeah, he would bring the hatchet out. And cut his arm right on TV. Yeah, good stuff. Always yeah. a, a, a nice juicer. Always. Now, this this guy was scary. Do you remember Archie Gouldy the Stomper? I thought he looks familiar. Yeah. Big, big, big heel. Oh, my gosh. Uh, very big in Calgary. Was a big star for those guys. But as you'll see, he was big all over. All right, Stomper Gouldy. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, Archie the Stomper Gouldy was the biggest homegrown star ever in Stampede Wrestling and one of the greatest talents to survive the training in the Hart Family Dungeon. But his story is much more than just that. It's the story of a small-town boy from tiny Carbon, Alberta, population 600, who made it big at home and abroad as a vicious Mongolian stomper. Scary guy. 
Growing up in the 50s, pro wrestling looked good to him. Rudy would go to the matches on a regular basis and start to talk to the wrestlers and promoter Stu Hart, begging him to begin training. Eventually, Stu relented. No one expected to see the strong, lanky, six-foot-two kid with a junior football background back at the dungeon the day after his first stretching. But he returned again and again. I wanted to make it. I didn't want to fail, said Gooley. I just wanted to do it. And I figured the only way I could do it was to keep going because Stu was such a persistent person that if you did lay out, that if you do lay out, I've seen a few guys lay out for a week or two and he'd just give up on them. So I just kept going. The journey to the hard house was almost as bad as the training. I didn't have a car. I used to walk out to that old gym, that old pit every day. Sometimes it'd be 20 below and snow, but I'd keep going. Until he hurt me so bad I couldn't go. Took a couple of days off and I'd go back. My mother used to say I was crazy, but I kept going. Being crazy helped Goldie during his career. And from today's perspective, he looks back and shakes his head at some of the things he did. The one that stands out the most was letting Joe LaDuke hit him over the head with a sledgehammer to break a concrete block on his head while they were wrestling in Knoxville. Oh, okay. He just, okay. That sounds That's crazy. awesome. Stupidest yeah. thing I ever did in my life. My neck's never been the same. I've got arthritis in my neck so bad from that. Gouldy's counter-strike on LaDuke sent the Quebecer to the hospital. After starting out in Calgary for a few years, generally as a preliminary talent, learning the ropes, Stu never put me over. Gouldy headed to North Carolina to work for Jim Crockett Sr. Gouldy worked there for three months, then injured his back and was let go. He hopped on a bus to Alabama, then ended up in Amarillo, Texas, working for Dory Funk Sr. He started me out refereeing, then started me out wrestling, said Gouldy. He made me Sputnik Monroe's bodyguard. That's a guy we got to read about, Sputnik Monroe. Sputnik was the champion in Amarillo. That was a real trip. Sputnik would go into the bars, throw beer in somebody's face, <laughs> and say, talk to my bodyguard about it. I finally went to Dory Senior and said, I can't handle this no more. He took me out on those duties. Gouldy got his first big break in Kansas City. So you see, he's been already been all over. In 1964, former world champion Pat O'Connor was a co-promoter there. And he had seen Gouldy work in Texas. It was O'Connor who dubbed Gouldy the Mongolian Stomper. He said, now, what a, what a, just the name, the Mongol, like Mongolian, scary just in itself. Like, these yeah. guys with the little thing of hair on the back of their head, you know. Yeah, the stone cold killers. Right, right. For the time when everyone was focusing on like Russians and stuff yeah. like Mongolian, that that's yep. different. Very unique. Yep. Very uh, scary. <laughs> he said he wanted a gimmick type character in Kansas City. This is O'Connor who named him the Mongolian Stomper. He had just bought the promotion. I went along with it and it stuck with me. It worked well, so I stayed with it. As a Mongolian Stomper, Gouldy terrorized the southern U.S. winning belts in Kansas City, Texas, Georgia, Florida, San Francisco, Tennessee, and Puerto Rico. He figures that he went to Japan almost 20 times and did three tours of Australia. He wow. was meant to be a mysterious figure. With the Mongolian stopper, I always had a manager. So they didn't want me to talk. 
they didn't figure that it would go along with the gimmick, me talking and being Mongolian, he said. That's pretty awesome because he yeah. only had to do half the work. That's yeah. Fantastic. Makes sense. In 68, Gouldy returned to Calgary and would transform the territory as Archie the Stomper Gouldy. He was allowed on the microphone and delivered intense promos that caught new fans, brought new fans into the arenas. According to longtime Stampede photographer and promoter Bob Leonard, Gouldy's work ethic and intensity made believers out of so many people, even those normally uninterested in wrestling. Gouldy would win the North American belt and Stampede eight different times. That belt meant a lot to me and had an amazing run against a vast collection of opponents. Cowboy Don Crowfat is proud of the matches they had together. We set some records in heaven that have never been broken in the old Calgary Corral, Crowfat said. Besides being close to home, Gouldy enjoyed his local celebrity and place on the cards. The good thing about working Calgary was that once a year he got to wrestle the world champion. He said over the years, Gouldy took on the likes of Terry Funk, Dory Funk Jr., Harley Race, and Ric Flair through, though, what? Though not all in Calgary. So he became a star all over. Conditioning and physique have been also been a major part of Gouldy's life. I started training and working out and just sort of kept it up, he explained. I enjoyed it. I was fortunate enough to meet a few people across the country who helped me out. He still works out, going to the gym, playing racquetball. How, how dated is that racquetball? Riding his bicycle on average 100 miles a week on the hills near Knoxville, Tennessee. Those are a lot of hills. Gouldy once set a record for the number of sit-ups done in an hour while wrestling in Dothan, Alabama. I mentioned it to the promoter down there at the time that I wanted to do it. He used to do it a lot, do a lot of them anyway. He said, we'll do it while the wrestling show is on for 60 minutes. Can you do them that long? I said, yeah, I think I can. So they put me on an isolated camera in the corner of the screen as the matches were going on. I'd done 1,860 minutes nonstop. I had a chair with a bottle of baby oil beside me. That was the worst thing that was happening. These blisters were building up on my rear end. They kept building up and breaking. They'd start smarting and stinging. So I just swished this baby oil on it to keep it slippery there. Of course, it was live. They had a couple hundred people there in the studio. You didn't want to quit anyway. You just kept going. Couldn't sit down for two or three weeks. Laid on the bed on my side or my belly. Now, real quick, as a side note, in the, uh, not the Guinness Book of World Records, what was that other uh, book that they used to put out with records in it? Ripley's Believe It or Not, the winner and holder of the most sit-ups, whatever was, a Macho Man's dad, um, Angelo Papa. Um, and you could see he was in that book for many years. How many sit-ups was it? It was like in the thousands. I've done thousands. I yeah. mean, thousands I'm, and thousands. Like you know, someone are. who doesn't carry um, a lot of muscle... And this guy, he was big, but he was very lean. Much easier for someone like that to bang out sit-ups. 
that yes, are muscled up. But back then, you know, uh, people weren't doing that many, and it was easier to set records because it was so long ago. Now yeah. people hang out thousands like it's, you know, right after breakfast, like it's no big deal. There's and like not a record to set anymore. So. The kinesiology uh, says that it really doesn't make your abs as a bodybuilder. Um, you get so much work on your core that to do any more than the normal amount of sit-ups that you would do any exercise it's an does over nothing. Yeah, because yeah. you overwork the, the, the muscle. Yeah. All right. As the Mongolian stomper, he terrorized all these states. With the Mongolian stomper, he had, always had a manager. In 68, Gouldy returned to Calgary and would transform the territory. I read this. Gouldy once set a record. We did that. Oh, we were on the sit-ups. So they don't give a number here. Um, so I don't know what he actually did. Um, they put the camera on him. Um, he, you know, he's getting blisters on his back, on his butt. Um, and another legendary tale often told about Gouldy was an angle in stampede where Bad News Allen College attacked Gouldy's son, pile driving him on the cement and sending him out on a stretcher. It was so violent that announcer Ed Whalen quit and the promotion came to a standstill and immediate attention raged. It really went overboard. It didn't just arouse the fans. It disgusted a lot of them. Ed quit, and Ed was a fine person. I didn't like it, of course. It was too late then, Gouldy said. I didn't think it would come out like it did. Gouldy continued to wrestle on occasion around his Knoxville home, primarily on charity shows. His last run in the territory was, Jim Cor was with Jim Cornette's Smoky Mountain promotion. Currently, he works in this guard shack at a prison. Before that, he ran the paddy wagon for three years until he got tired of handling drunks. The Mongolian stomper is still recognized quite a bit. I think there's more fans in prison than there are in the street, he chuckled. Very interesting, big, brutal guy that was scared the crap. I think one of the hard kids said that when he would come and do his promos and basically say that he was going to beat the crap out of their relative. They were like scared to death. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, sure. yeah, he was made to be a scary guy. So yeah. Do you know what time, what time is it? Do you know? 10, 12. Yeah, actually. Yeah. No, we, we, we're, we're about, uh, about to ready, ready to wrap up here. I think yeah. a few good stories in there that, uh, yep. you know, um, I, I never a lot of interesting. Pat Patterson, Canadian. Oh uh, well, we're so there's, a, there's a lot of a lot of guys. Um, Moose Morawski, I remember he was awesome. Velvet McIntyre. Yeah, Canadian. really quickly go through some names that that are in this book that okay. they look forward to hearing about full yep. stories about in the future. Like flip through, tell us like Pat Patterson so far. Who go, go Ivan Koloff. Oh, all right, there you go, Uncle Ivan. Also known in the beginning as Red. McNulty. <laughs> okay. All right. We had Don Jardine. You know who that is. All That's right. the spoiler. All right. It's coming Don up. Jardine. Coming up. He's a big, huge name. We so got Rene Goulet. Remember Rene Goulet? Yeah, of course. I, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> WWF Tag Team Champion. Uh, we have Ronnie Garvin, Hands of Stone. All right, Ronnie Garvin. 
Actually, Ronnie Garvin uh, is on an upcoming episode of. I Ron just saw that. Show. Yeah. God he bless him. The trip, and uh, we're going to see Ronnie Garvin. So stay tuned to the Monty and the Pharaoh YouTube uh, for that interview with Hans Stone, Ronnie Garvin. John Tolis. Oh, okay. Great. And that would include, of course, his brother Chris Tolis. The Golden Greek. Yes. Yes. One of my favorites back in the day. Yeah. To watch that wrestling from the Olympic Auditorium, the phone number over the ring, RI95171. <laughs> oh, John Tolis. It's like my my daughter's name is uh, Polis. You know, oh, wow. Because That's, she's yeah, that's right. Portion of Greek. You know, wow. so it's always, uh, you know, it's, it's similar names. It's weird. So the, this yeah. is a list of people we have upcoming that we're going to yep. get to reading yeah. stories about. Who who else we got in this? I'm story? sure you're familiar with Vivian Vachon. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, uh, the Vachon family, Butcher, yep. and Luna, and uh, yep. Mad Dog. Mad Dog Vachon. So I uh, can't wait to get into that one. I'm, I'm sure that. Oh, and all the Rougeaus. Oh, of course. The Jacques Rougeau, Raymond Rougeau. Uh, let's yeah. see, uh, the, well, I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, but yeah. we're going to get into the Rougeaus. That, that'll that be exciting. That's a, a long a long uh, yeah. history in Canadian oh. wrestling. And they actually train a lot of people. They they train uh, some hardcore wrestlers that were uh, for in, in this area. And yeah. uh, uh, I, I don't. Canada's know. had a big influence. Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, Lufisto. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was searching for a name. Is Lufisto? They they train Lufisto. Who? You're familiar with? She's a female wrestler, a deathmatch wrestler. The uh, uh, Rougeau's trained her. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's a really uh, great, great stuff. But we'll get into I that. I wonder how he, they but, feel about that. Um, I'm sure they feel great about it. She was yeah. very successful. Extremely right. successful. All right. So, quite possibly the most famous, maybe, Rick the Model Martel. Of course. Can -Am Huge name. Uh, the model, uh, can a part of Can Am Connection, the tag team, and later yep. WWF, and uh, you know a, a big uh, figure in Puerto Rico early. Yes. 80s, uh, WWC feuds with like Carlos Colon and Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah. All that jazz before he was the model, he was the guy who was bleeding all over the place in Puerto Rico and on yeah, right of every magazine with his face covered in blood. Yep. You know, it was just how he's got a how they transformed him into a model. You know, uh, Abdullah the Butcher. Oh, a, a Canadian? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, Hamilton, I, Ontario. Abby has a voice that you wouldn't expect out of a, like right. how, how he looks. He it's opens like a little kid. Talks and it's it's, it's sort of like uh, the comparison. Like I could equally compare it to what you would expect when you look at Mike Tyson and then you hear him. It's the same thing with Abdullah the Butcher. And you don't expect that voice to come out of it, you know. But yeah. it goes. He calls everyone. Gabe. He calls everyone Gabe. Good guy though. Uh, yep. You know, it's a shame. Edge. Oh, Edge. Okay. Yeah. Angelo Mosca. Yeah, all right. Jim Neidhart. 
Baron Miguel Cicluna. All right. Tiger Jeet Singh. Davy Boy Smith, of course. Of course. That's top of the list. I think that you have a separate book of, of his that we yes. had to get into in a future yep. reading. So stay tuned for that. Uh, the book, yes. uh, Life of Davy Boy Smith. Uh, so that's going to come up soon. Uh, so hope you've joined. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of uh, Wrestling Rewinds, uh, Wrestling Archives, book readings. And I uh, hope you'll join us every Sunday on uh, Monty and the Pharaohs Network on YouTube. And yeah, sit time- back and let us take you around the world without you moving out of your living room. Exactly. Back in time for a wrestling lesson every Sunday at 7 p.m. So uh, join us back next week as we'll be having another book reading. Uh, I believe we're getting back to pain and passion. Story of Calgary. Wrestling in Calgary. So join us back for that. And until then, for my co-host, the Iron Man, Tommy Cairo, I am Angel Amoroso saying have a nice night and a nice life. Good night. So did you want to do uh, anything else or? No, I I think my back started bothering me a little bit and I got to get my wife before she falls asleep. I got to send money to, you know, I don't like when, People push me, and I don't especially don't like putting money up for product I do not have yet. 